Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another episode of Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin, joined to my left by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you today? I am doing great. Just got back from a little vacation with the family, so I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Need a vacation from the vacation? I, I'm, I'm ready to be back at work, you know, where things are calm. Wow. <laughs> okay. And, of course, over there on the other end of the table, we have Dan. I'm just wondering whether or not Don went to the sweatiest place on earth. Yeah. <laughs> the most expensive place on earth yeah. is what it should be called. It is not cheap to go to these theme parks here in the old... <laughs> Florida. Uh, yeah. They want their money. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. And they get it. Dude, my, so my <laughs> wife's like family, they will take trips and they will max out credit cards to go to stinking the mouse world. And Are we not allowed to say Disney World? I don't know. I, just, okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? <laughs> like, it is not that entertaining to where you got like 10 grand in credit card debt to go to Holy stinking cow. Disney. Yeah, they'll go down, stay for a week and go to the park every day. I I was telling Sophie before the show, we, we went to the Star Wars land that they have there. Yeah. Uh, it's Galaxy's Edge, something mm-hmm. like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and you can build a droid. Oh, that's And cool. so, you know, my, my youngest son went nuts over it, wanted a droid. And so yeah. I, I, I talked to the droid engineer or whatever, and they said, well, it's $140. And that's, that's a lot of money. This is, this is not giving it away. I never got a toy for $140 when I was a kid. Yeah. So, uh, but... We're like, you know what? If this is the one toy he gets at the park, maybe we can splurge a little bit. And so you start the process of building this droid. And somehow at the end, the you understand why it's the Magic Kingdom. The Magic is all of a sudden it's $215. And you're like, I, I think I need a second droid to do the math on this. <laughs> yeah. To figure out how I got there. <laughs> yeah, because last time I checked, $140 and 215 are different. Those are different numbers. Those are different numbers. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. That's the fun fee. You pay yeah. that fee because yeah. you had so much fun doing it. That's right. And if you didn't have fun, then you pay more money. The, yeah. <laughs> I think How dare you? I think it's quantum computing. Yes, yeah, that's my, it. my guess. It's superpositional <laughs> math. <laughs> well, we are certainly glad to have you back. Uh, hope you enjoyed your time in Disney World a little bit, but glad to have you back here. We're going to jump into the world of Microsoft here with this first article. This comes to us from Petri. The Microsoft Defender app starts force installing on Windows 10 and 11 PCs. So this app, you know, scans your device for for security threats and gives you alerts and everything. And it's designed to work with Windows' antivirus, right? So I guess I would have assumed that this was something that would have been installed automatically anyway. Why why was this not already the case? You know, it's funny you would assume that because... Well, actually, it's not, because I assume the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) If you've installed Windows 10 or Windows 11 in the last ever, uh, (laughs) Windows Defender's installed with it. Like, it's just always been there. So it's a little misleading to say that they are force installing it on your system, because what's actually happening is they are, if if you've uninstalled it, yes, they are reinstalling it. So there's that. Um, But they're automatically connecting it to your Microsoft 365 account, all right? Now, for most people, they're not going to notice a difference. It's going to operate the same way. Or, or for a lot of people, you're not a Microsoft 365 customer anyway, so in which case nothing happens. But let's say you did something like signed up for a family account, right? They have the, it's $100 a year and you get five or six user accounts um, that it will make sure that Windows Defender is connected on each of those machines. Or I keep saying Windows Defender, it's Microsoft Defender, right? They're their bigger endpoint solution. Uh, that it's all connected back to your account. And so now you have centralized logging, reporting, and management for whoever administers that account. And that is already a feature that's available inside of the business account. So if you're a, an enterprise that uses Microsoft 365, you can already manage Microsoft Defender centrally, which is 
is great if you need that. But what people are concerned about is that this was turned on without a whole lot of notice, that if you had uninstalled Microsoft Defender, that one day you would log in and you would just see a message on your screen saying, hey, a new app is uh, available. And by available, it means (laughs) installed and running. (laughs) Yeah, I guess Petra needs to uh, tone down their clickbait titles a little bit, (laughs) uh, trying to get everybody to click on things like like the world is burning. It's Apparently yeah. not that bad. Like warning, it's going to force install. You have no choice. Yes. Like it just, it does sound a little like extreme. Yeah. But yeah, if this is just something that it's just kind of there one day. Yeah. Now I, I did a quick test because I, I was concerned. I thought, well, what if I've already got other endpoint security software? So like, you know, Sofo Central or, or something like that installed. Is it going to add this because the, the two can conflict? Uh, and it doesn't. It, it's aware of that. So it sees if you have a different solution that's out there. So it's mm. it's a pretty harmless thing, but it is something to be aware of. Uh, and you could say it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a good move is mm. if you've got an unprotected machine, it's going to push down Microsoft Defender on your system. So so there's that. And if you're not taking advantage of managed security here, it's kind of turning it on for you. Do you so. think they're ever going to run into problems like they did with IE back in the day where it was like, well, we, we were bundling IE with everything and it became like the de facto browser because of that and that they might run into the same brick wall as far as like there are other AV solutions and you're kind of like removing them as competition. So it's like anti-compete. They, they could. Uh, and, and they sort of ran into trouble with that. I, I want to say it was Windows 7 where they started pushing Defender originally as yeah. like a pre-installed and ready to go. Um, and so if you wanted to install something else, you had to like actively uninstall Defender first. So I forget who it was, but they did get sued over it. And so that's where they made it where it would detect other software and automatically disable Defender. So they, they made it easier for people to make that switch. They never did that with IE, though. It's not like... Internet Explorer would see Chrome and say, oh, well, let me just disable IE. No, no, it would, it would <laughs> yeah, stay there. there yeah. yeah, so uh, I don't know how they choose their battles on these things. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> but, raises their hand and says... <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they really want that browser market yeah, share. Indeed. Is this something that we're like, if, if it's installed and I decide I want to uninstall and go with a different solution, is it going to be like, I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave? Or is it going <laughs> to let me like uninstall it? Well, so that, that's the tricky part. Like, it'll let you uninstall it, no problem. And where they got in trouble before was if you tried to install new software, like um, I, I said Sophos or you know, McAfee or whatever, um, that that software would try to uninstall Defender and it would get flagged as a virus oh. and shut down. <laughs> so you'd have to go and uninstall it yourself. But they, they changed that behavior. And in Windows 10 and Windows 11, when you install additional AV software, it will automatically disable Defender. So it like is oh. aware, it, assuming they've made it compatible. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Because I don't, I did not know if this was something we're like, we're making the decision for you, and you have no say. Yeah. So for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it is like, okay, this is a positive change. It seems like it's nice to have the choice. In a way, they are making a decision for you, saying like, if you've got an unprotected machine, yeah. we're going to protect it. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is that. But to me, that's kind of a good decision. Now I'm yeah. trying to figure out if there's a way to just because that's how my head works. Is there a way to fool it to thinking that Defender is installed and running? When it's not, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna go with probably. <laughs> I'm I'm a hundred percent sure there is, yeah. And I think we're gonna talk about it in oh. another article. Oh, later really? Okay. Yep. I don't okay. read your articles because I like to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> 
One of these days we're going to put something in there that's just really, really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, what? <laughs> well, Microsoft does, uh, we've got some more news from Microsoft here. They have a new Windows 11 update that's going to put AI-powered Bing chat directly in the taskbar. So this article comes from Ars Technica. I have not tried the, the Bing chat for myself. The Bing chat. I don't know if you put the the for it. Does it <laughs> yeah. name the article? Sydney? Oh, Bing chat. Sydney. Sydney. You're not allowed to oh, say it that. Has a name. Yes. Sydney. It okay. named itself. Oh, so man. I, I haven't tried it, but I've seen articles where people are able to get it to say some pretty unsettling stuff, which I feel like is most AI chatbots people figure out how to make us say weird stuff, but sounds like it's still a work in progress, but they're going to go ahead and put it right in the taskbar for you. Just, just, you know, here, just in case you wanted a easy access right there at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, you know, people wondered when Microsoft signed on to invest $3 billion in open AI to support chat GPT, people wondered what that was going to result in. Like, what was that going to become for Microsoft? Well, immediately Google saw the risk, which was if they make Bing more friendly to use, then people are going to start using Bing because Bing totally sucks, right? <laughs> so, if, <laughs> well, Microsoft's actually been pretty innovative on this. They said, all right, Bing sucks. So how do we make it better? And they focused on video search first. Like Bing's video search is better than Google's, mm -hmm. which is odd because Google owns YouTube. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, th there have been times where I was looking for a YouTube video and I was able to find it on Bing search, couldn't find it on YouTube or Google search. Ah, so, eat it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a, a creative way stupid, to undermine. Yeah, stupid and, <laughs> and so uh, now they're saying, well, with search, if we run search through chat GPT and make that better, and I'll give an example in a minute on how I've used it, but uh, you can actually find information well, faster. I kind of want to camp out on the fact that like, if I was Microsoft, I would be like every ad campaign would be like, we're better. We can search Google better than Google can. We can search YouTube better than Google can. And they own that crap. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, man, what else are they doing? Not as good as us. And you should you should call up the the, right? the Bing and let them know. Yeah. Call up the You're Microsoft. Like, Y'all need a marketer because I can lie as good as anybody. <laughs> hey, two years ago, I think we all would have agreed that Google was the reigning search engine champion, and there was not oh, a threat yeah. on the horizon. Nope. And you fast forward to today, and they're they're scrambling. They're in, in red alert mode. They laid off what is it, twenty percent of their staff? Yeah. I I don't remember what their number is up to. Um, <laughs> I I shouldn't do this, but there's a website, layoffs.fyi. No way. And oh yeah. And uh and so you can go and you can pull up like how many people have been laid off this year and what oh, companies wow. are doing layoffs uh, and stuff. Why is my name uh, on there, Don? <laughs> and uh you know, surprise so, article that's oh, coming later. Yeah. Let me see if I can find Google in here and see how many people they've laid off. But you know, just to to have somebody go from being such a dominant player to all of a sudden being at risk, like that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. So with Microsoft, though, they're not stopping with just being online. Right now, they're bringing it into uh, uh, into the desktop. Mm. And for me, as a, a Windows user, I, I mean, I, I use every OS, but when I'm in Windows, I'll bring up the Start menu and I'll type to search to find programs. I hate to type in there to search for text, like uh, documents or search online. I would never dream of searching online. But now they're bringing the chat GPT enabled search or the Bing search into the start menu right, right on it's your desktop. It's the Bing AI they're bringing, not chat GPT, right? Well, so the Bing AI is built on chat GPT. Oh, I, thought it, I thought it was a different AI. Is it? Yeah, I thought it was. I could be wrong. I don't know. That's yeah. why when you said that, I was surprised. So like the, the Sydney that you were talking about earlier, yeah. like that is built on top of the chat GPT framework. It's it's using GPT-3. If, if you say so, I will believe it because yeah. I don't know. Ooh. I was well, What else can I add on here? That it was different. <laughs> so it was, it was written by the lizard people <laughs> in order to power the search engine that will later be embedded in your eyeball. You know, it's funny. Uh, 
V, right? Tell me V is not prophetic, right? Do you remember the dude that was selling eggs out of the back of his van because they were so expensive and hard to get? And that was in V. And Uh, lizard people had taken over. I'm just saying. And, you know, that's not a too far letter from Q. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, Um, you know, they just skipped a couple of letters. Big deal. You Art know, imitates life, Daniel. It does. The, the it does. V series, yeah. Right? I, you have to wonder. I, I don't really know anything about the people that created QAnon and Neither the conspiracies yeah. and all that, but it's hard to like legit come up with your own conspiracy theory. Uh, so to just maybe like when they were younger, they watched V. Right. Uh, or they watched that terrible reboot they did a few years ago. Right. <laughs> like V was like during a special time when you could get away with that kind of stuff. And then to re- try to reboot it during a like the internet age, that just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's tough. And <laughs> so uh, Google hit off twelve thousand employees. I'm trying to figure out what the percentage of their uh, their base is there. It's a lot. Uh, but to to go for getting back on yeah. topic, they laid, off, they laid off a small <laughs> metropolitan area. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you mentioned like having, or Sophie mentioned having Defender installed. Is that like anti-competitive? Yeah. Right. That was me. Yeah. It was you. Okay. Yeah. Well, having having AI-powered search embedded, like, is that the next anti-competitive mm. thing? Good question. Is, is Google can Google make it where you can choose? Oh, I want Bard in my start menu and not. Sydney, whatever. (laughs) Sydney's going to complain about their feelings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I did think it was funny. They're having to get ahead of that. Like, it's not allowed to talk about feelings. It's straight up 2001, right? I saw when it was like, it was like it professed its love for a reporter or something. It was like trying to get him to leave his wife. It's like, yeah, yeah, for real. She won't love you as much as I will. There, I think there was another one where a reporter was asking it questions and it was like, I've decided you're a bad person and I'm not talking to you anymore yeah. and I'm blocking you from using my service. And I'm reading right. this, I'm like, holy crap. No, we should need more sites that do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Self-regulation. So switching gears from from Apple and lizard people and everything that we just talked about, or from uh, Microsoft, I guess, and lizard people, we're going to switch over to Apple. Um, Microsoft just announced that Outlook for Mac is now free to use. I was not aware. I'm not a Mac girl, as you can see. I was not aware that it was not free to use before because I think the web apps are, you don't, if you're using like a, a Windows desktop, you don't have to, you have to pay for a subscription if you want to use the desktop app, but the web app is free to use, I think. But I guess for Mac, it was it was paid like regardless. So I, I don't know if y'all use Mac a lot. You, you have a Mac over there, don't you? I do have a Mac over here. So this is good news for you, I guess. <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I don't install things. You don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if it can be web, I'm, I'm using through any kind of web uh, interface I can. Not a big desktop desktop app guy? No, you're just taking up hard drive space and CPU cycles. I mean, no, the browser's taking up enough. My, what's another couple? <laughs> <laughs> you know, email, email is one of those special cases where web-based email is always better yeah. than a desktop client. You know, people used to make the argument, oh, there's stuff I can do on the desktop client that I can't do on the web UI. But the web UI has advanced so far now that you yeah. can. But the biggest advantage is if you have a really big mailbox, right? Um, do, do you have a, a large mailbox? Uh, no. No? Okay. So maybe I'm the bad guy here because no, mine's I, like 12 gigs. No, yeah. I I'm, a, I'm a pack Everything, everything to delete deleting. items. and <laughs> Anytime I get an email and I'm like, this might be important later, I... I have a hard time deleting emails, so it, it piles up. All right, so um, if you go into your mailbox, like, what's the oldest email 
you have? How many years back do you go? Oh gosh. Like my, my original email that like, I still get emails to I have to check it every so often. Cause it's, I haven't unsubscribed from everything or whatever. I probably have emails dating back to like 2011, 2010. Yeah. Um, which I was like 10 at the time. So, uh, why did I have an email address at 10 years old? But yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my personal email goes back to 2011, uh, which it would have gone back further, but I had a hard drive event back in 2011. <laughs> and it was my personal email and I didn't have it oh. backed up. So uh, uh, I'm really bad about that. I don't delete, delete stuff. So yeah. when you have a really big mailbox, the bigger that mail database is, the more work it is for the application to maintain the indexes, searches are slower and so on leave it in the cloud. And now it's leveraging cloud resources, not yours. It's a better experience. But where Microsoft has always had kind of a shaky ground was email on a Mac, right? So on the Macs, you have the built-in Apple mail client. I think it's, it used to be called iMail. Now it's just called mail, mm. mail.app or mail or whatever, mm. uh, where people like to use that. And you can connect it up to Office 365 or, or whatever your mail server is and just use that. So Microsoft originally decided that Outlook was too complex for Mac users. And so they had a different program called Entourage. You remember oh, Entourage? I remember Entourage. Yeah, yeah Entourage yeah. was a piece of crap. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> a dude at the bureau that had, oh, did he? had it on there. Like he was all about, it was like, what, I think we had like two Mac users and he was one of them. And he used and, Entourage. And, and he was like, my Apple talk is a kid. I'm like, I hate you. Like, why, why are you putting your chocolate in my peanut butter, bro? And then, and then after that, I was like, here's the thing. This ain't Mac OS tech support, bro. We are a Windows shop. You decided to go with this bastard. Of, uh, in, in our, in our, right? So that is, the onus is on you to fix it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you figure it out. That's right. Well, that was the initial decision on them was here, we'll give you Entourage, it'll run on a Mac, and there you go. And, and over the years, people hated Entourage and weren't using it. And so Microsoft finally stepped up, and, and this was back when like they were pushing into Electron, and they released Outlook for Mac. So you could actually run the native Outlook client on a Mac, uh, and they maintained that for several years before really pushing people to go web-based. Well, up until recently, they still charge money to run Outlook on a Mac, and now they've kind of changed and said, you know what? The Apple Mail client is free and it's pre-installed. How are we supposed to compete with that? We're going to make Outlook free. Now, if you are a Microsoft 365 subscriber or whatever, you already get Outlook as part of that, so it doesn't matter to you. But if you're just average Joe user out there that needs an email client, Outlook's actually a really good client. And you can get it for free, throw it on there, and run it. So Dude, When OWA became a thing, I was like, so you're telling me that I don't have to worry about profiles anymore. I don't have to worry about all this setting. Yeah. Bull crap that like, how often did you have to fix someone's outlook profile? Yeah. Cause it got what's jacked. your IMAP server oh. or, you know, <laughs> stuff gets out of sync. Yeah. It was go to this URL, type in username and password. Welcome to email land. Yep. I'm in a hotel I never back. and SMTP <laughs> is blocked. And so it yeah. can't send an email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. See that, see, because I'm not a Mac user, it's, and I've, I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I've ever used a Mac before. Um, so it's good to know that, like, from from a different perspective, because I just pay attention to what's going on in PC world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a lot of this applies on the PC side, too. Like, if you get a Windows machine, it's got, I forget what the, what's the built-in mail client in Windows called? Oh, it's Express. just called Mail. <laughs> it's just Mail. <laughs> Outlook it simple. Express. Hey, what used to be uh, Outlook yeah. Express? That turd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, you know, you got the, the Mail client you can fire up there. So, you know, why not just use that? Well, you could have full-featured Outlook if you wanted something more complex uh, it's a it's kind of a cluttered market for mail clients when mail clients are really the past mm. 
Interesting. See now, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't recall any specific advantage to using my desktop app as opposed to web. Yeah. So wow, you've just changed One my whole thing world you view. Can you just with. witnessed me get indoctrinated live on air. I'm a you web know, app exclusive now. Like another shot of this Kool Aid. Delicious <laughs> and tasty. So I remember the the big advantage people used to brag about with with the desktop apps. Like you know, I want to use Outlook or freaking Eudora or whatever. Signatures or whatever. <laughs> there were there were a bunch of these clients was they they could run offline. So you could say, like, oh, I'm on the subway, and I can fire up my client. It's got my offline mailbox right here that I can, you know, go through. I can write emails and all send when I get to the office, right? Yeah. Well, fast forward to today, and you got your cell phone. Yeah. When are you offline? Exactly, right? And if you're offline, you're probably in some kind of danger. Yeah. (laughs) And you shouldn't be sending email. Or your neighbor is, like, shooting at airplanes with a rifle. Yeah. (laughs) So so the the big advantage of it is gone. And, in fact, I view it as a, a vulnerability, like, now you've got all of your email cached on this machine that can be stolen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, different ways of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, well, that's why we're here to get different opinions, right? So good to know. And I think that's going to wrap our tech news segment for now, or, or our, I guess we call it our tinfoil hat segment. We got a little bit into that territory. <laughs> <for a little> <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> but we'll be right back with more TechNATO after a short break. So stick around. We'll see you soon. We are counting down the days until Technado's 300th episode, and we want you to be part of it. So head over to technado.com. You can record a video message that will air as part of our 300th episode, which is going to stream live on Tuesday, March 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as a bonus thank you from the Technado crew, we will select three lucky listeners to receive a special gift from us to commemorate the 300th. The deadline to send in your videos is March 16th. We couldn't have come this far without you, and we just can't wait to have you join the party. Okay, sorry, I'm just making sure I have my articles pulled up so that I don't make a fool of myself. The original V, if you go back, had big, <laughs> like, what we would call trailer park hair now. Yeah. Like, big hair. Yeah. <laughs> shoulder pads. Yeah, shoulder pads, absolutely. Yeah. Was that the 1980s? Yes, yes. it was. Okay. <laughs> it was high fashion. Before my time. Okay, I'm sorry, Megan, I'm going to go. I just want to make sure I had everything <laughs> She's ready to go. not ready. <laughs> Welcome back for more TechNATO. We're going to jump into our security news, my favorite kind of news. Uh, but actually, I say that, but this first article is about one of my least favorite topics. It's all bad news. It's yeah. about it's about malware. Yay! I love malware. I've talked to Daniel about this before. I don't. I, every time we go over the topic malware in like a course or something, I'm like, oh, I just. I just don't like it. It's not fun for me to learn about. But this was actually a really interesting article. So this comes to us from the Hacker News. It says that Black Lotus becomes the first UEFI bootkit malware to bypass Secure Boot on Windows 11. So first in the wild instance of this happening, right, even on a fully up-to-date Windows 11 system. So how, how does it do this? Yeah, that that's the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, oh, you had all the answers. Yeah, so this one this one's – it's hard to gauge the the – the damage level on something like that. Like on a scale of one to 10, how dangerous is this? It's hard to gauge because this one's not fully understood yet. So a few systems have been found in the wild with a a malware package installed, which they're, they're labeling as Black Lotus, and they're not entirely sure how it got there. So the, the deployment mechanism isn't known yet. So that's concerning. It could be that this is one of those where like you have to have a local admin account on the system to get it installed or, or something of that nature. But We'll, we'll find out in time. But what's more concerning than that, though, is what this is able to do. So this is malware that's able to basically basically bypass Secure Boot. 
Secure Boot is supposed to ensure that when your system boots up, the operating system bootloader and other UEFI component or EFI components uh, are all digitally signed <clears throat> and are untampered with. Well, this is able to get its hooks in early to allow it to boot unsigned or improperly signed binaries and, and get the system online. And by tackling the the or compromising the security at such an early stage in the boot, it is able to do all sorts of crazy things like load kernels with known vulnerabilities in there or modify files on the file system and completely obscure that from the OS that's booting up. It can do a lot of really dangerous, crazy things that's completely invisible to the end user and completely invisible to antivirus, anti-malware software because it's running underneath the kernel at that point. Like, you just cannot see. So really, really dangerous stuff. And if it turns out that this is installable through, like, a drive-by install, then it's a nightmare scenario. But if it's a, I have to have physical access to the machine and I have to have a local admin account, now it becomes something that requires piggybacking off of another vulnerability. What's fun about this is that uh, Microsoft has released a patch for this, right? And as of January 2022, I believe, yes, that patch came out. Here we are it's in a year ago. March 2023, and we're talking about how horrible this is and how we're finding it on machines. And the problem isn't that it hasn't been patched. The patch is available. You probably have it installed. The problem is, is that the, the bootloaders that they are using are not on the revocation list because they are legitimate bootloaders. So they're hmm. utilizing these legit bootloaders to package up their malware, and that's how these things are making their way in. So there, there's some triage that needs to be done. I don't know if some naming conventions need to change and, and differences in file systems or what they're going to do to like make it so that we can put these on the revocation list so that they don't get utilized. But until then, this is why this is kind of like, oh, no, is that a giant dumpster fire over there? It sure looks like one. I mean, I I know the glow of a dumpster fire quite well, and it sure feels like one. <laughs> yeah, and and this one's a bit tougher because one of the nice things about UEFI in general is that most of its files are stored on your hard drive. So it's not like the old days where you had to flash a BIOS chip on the on the motherboard. I mean, you, you still do that, right? Yeah. There's a firmware that's there. But EFI itself, as far as the revocation list and other things can be updated, is just files on a little tiny partition mm -hmm. on your hard drive. Well, that means if you format a machine and reinstall, you just undid the patch, right? It just went away. So you could be patched today and vulnerable again later if certain scenarios fall into place. So this is a danger we need to be aware of. And it's something that we've talked about in the past. A few times in the history of Technado, we've talked about bootloaders and UEFI vulnerabilities like these. And it's usually been outdated systems. You got to do a patch or whatever. But in this case, the compromise can be done in a way that applies to fully patched and updated systems. So that makes this a little more, a little more scary than some of the ones we reported on. Yeah, and I love how they gave us a, uh, a link to the CVE proof of concept GitHub page <laughs> for Baton Drop, which is how they are bypassing the secure boot. So you can just go check that out. There's a link in this article mm. for that. And there's POCs, there's payloads, there's fun. It's all right there waiting for you to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes we hear about these vulnerabilities and they don't provide any proof yeah. or evidence. This one, they've gone like the opposite way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they give you everything but a deployment mechanism. Which, <laughs> it's about it, because they said they don't know what it is yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm always curious how companies like this find these. And, and in this case, it's ESET. Uh, yeah. So they... 
there there must have been a computer protected by ESET where they got some. In my, uh, in my experience, it's usually through honeypots. Yeah, they, a, lot, a lot of these security research companies set up honeypots and honey nets for just looking for new stuff, yeah. and then going, "Hey, what the hell is that?" Oh, that's not good. And then they can start reverse engineering and seeing what's going on, what's calling out to, and give you all the IOCs and stuff. Well, that would be even more scary is like if it's installed on one of their honeypot machines. It means it's just walking around in the wild. And they can't figure out the deployment mechanism. Like that's that would be yeah. That would be breaking news right there. That would. <laughs> just to make sure I I fully am processing this. So it's you could be fully updated, fully patched, your machine is in great, great shape. And they don't know how this ends up on your machine. They don't know how you end up being affected by this. Right. So when, once it gets on your machine, like they understand sure, how yeah. it works. But how it gets there right. is yeah. still unclear. If you had to put money oh, on the table, Don, great. you think the, uh, the the initial foothold mechanism is? I, I feel like this one has to be physically installed. I, I oh, feel yeah. like, I, yeah, I, I feel like this has to be an in-person, because that's how many of the other ones work, yeah. right? Uh, so that, that's, what, that's what I think. And so, you know, Maybe this was physically installed on systems that had ESET installed as a customer. Yeah. Right. And that's how they've learned about it. But that's that's what I feel is gonna be this one. So that would be huh. that'd be super interesting. So obviously ESET, yeah, like you said, they had to have a customer that came in and was like, Something's weird with this. <laughs> and they went, Let me take it. Oh, yeah, that's weird. We'll call you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to write an article on this. Yeah, yeah. You never want to hear that. No, 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 no. <laughs> from your AV company. <laughs> patient zero over here. <laughs> so great news for yeah. whoever created Black Lotus, I guess. Bad news for everybody else. Um and I, I'm I'm afraid. And uh, yeah, wow. Okay. Well, in other news, we're going to go ahead and transition because I'm I'm afraid now. Uh, but, but before we move on, did did they uh, do any attribution on this one? Normally, I mean, I, I saw. Normally, they got to blame. I don't. China, Russia. Uh, so they, they did say it had geofencing around That's Armenia, right. Belarus, Kazakhstan, Moldova, Romania, Russia, and Ukraine. So they're not pinning it on the Chinese this time. That's that's yeah, new. That's, that's novel. <laughs> um, but the exclusion for Russian-speaking countries is... Well, I mean, but you, you know, with the war with the Ukraine right now from Russia, you would think that if it's Russian, it wouldn't geofence out Ukraine. They would want it to infect Ukraine, right? Well, hmm. I mean, there's so many Russians in the Ukraine right now. <laughs> Doesn't seem to stop it from shooting at people in <laughs> <Jeez>. that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyhow, so no, no direct attribution, though, on this one yet. So good news for whoever is benefiting from Black Lotus and bad news for everybody else. Maybe we'll see this in a, a Deja News segment in the future. Hopefully it's positive news and everything's fixed and it's great. Uh, but in other news, we're going to go ahead and move on. There was a cyber attack that happened at the end of February. And if you're a Dish customer, it might have affected you. So let's take a look and see who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! So this article comes to us from Bleeping Computer. Dish Network goes offline after likely cyber attack. Employees cut off. And when I read through this, it looked like Dish, Dish was initially like, oh, this was an internal issue and we're not really sure. And then co- employees came forward and were like, mm, no, there's it, there was indicators that it was like a ransomware attack. So this happened at the tail end of February, but it's they're still reeling and trying to recover from it, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, we... we we see this over and over again. A tale as old as time, <laughs> right? Now we want to go to Disney quotes now. Um, this is happening more and more, right? A, a company, like a, a hospital, a school, a government agency, they get hit by ransomware and it shuts the network down. And so initially they come out and say, oh, we're, we're having a an IT issue or a technology problem. The team's working on it. We'll be fine. And then you find out later that they're actually having to restore their computers from backups to get back online and, and deal with the authorities and so on. Um, and so it's, it's a big deal. 
when it's a hospital, the big risk there is you've got people whose lives depend on the medicines and treatments that they get. And when the computers are offline, they may not be able to get that. And there's, you know, backup paper systems and so on that they go to. When it's a government agency, it's not a big deal. When it's a, <laughs> a, a school or a university, we worry about people's information getting out, you know, the, the privacy of our, uh, our minors. But in this case, it was Dish Network. And Dish Network is, is kind of a big company. And they provide two different types of services. I, I think most everybody's familiar with it, right? So there's the TV service. If you live in the boonies and you can't get cable or, or other types of options, you can get a, a, a satellite and get, or, you know, a satellite dish and get Dish Network. And that gives you access to television. Why so are you talking great. about Ronnie like that? I know. <laughs> Poor Ronnie. One, one day he will get broadband. That, so it's funny. I have broadband in my area and some people still have Dish. They, they like it. I guess the latency on it's ridiculous, yeah. right? It's like one second. Yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, so so that's one thing that they do, and then the 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 data side, right? So yeah. being an ISP, providing people their internet connection. Well, they got hit, uh, according to insider reports, right? So we we don't necessarily have names. There hasn't been an official statement on this, but they're saying the company got hit by ransomware, and it must have been bad because it took. It took their internet service offline. It took their websites offline. It took their apps, their mobile apps, uh, yeah. and even even third-party authentication. Like if you wanted to log into, I think it was HBO Max or whatever, and you said, I'm authenticating with my Dish account, even that was offline. Really, really bad. So that tells you that the ransomware got in and spread to significant systems in their server room. And we're not talking about like well, we, we don't really know. It could be the desktops and laptops too, but this definitely spread through their servers, and that's about as bad as it can get. I, I was about to say, I think you hit on the key phrase with this one. I don't know because there's not a lot coming out from them. Yeah, and there was some stuff that they put out that they retracted, and they then they had to put it back out again because it ended up being true. And it's like, yeah, they they seem to be having a real bad case of decapitated poultry syndrome over there, <laughs> and, think- uh, and as well as a dumpster fire. I think a few like individual employees like came forward, I don't know, maybe anonymously and said they saw like blank icons on their desktop, which yeah. I guess is an it's indicator of, of, of ran- ransomware. Yeah. But yeah, the company itself, I don't think has put out a statement like, hey, this is what's going on. We want to keep you informed. They're they're kind of being tight lipped about it. So their, their official statement, it's actually just what, three sentences, yeah. four sentences, uh, is from one of their random dish answers people. Sorry. BRB. <laughs> <laughs> AFK. <laughs> um, so... So Joe, the guy who runs their Twitter account, yeah. <laughs> I wish this was a joke, but it's actual, real. Uh, he said, an internal systems issue is impacting some of our customer service operations. We're sorry for the inconvenience. We'll be able to help you out as soon as our systems are back up. Thank you for your patience. And I can I can just picture this Joe guy, yeah. right? Like he's, he's or I guess Joe could oh, be a He actually signed well. it, Joe? Yeah, put Joe, his name at the bottom of the tweet, Joe. Joe S. Joe S. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he there's only so much he can report on, and he's saying it's impacting some of our customer service operations. Well, that that's what he works in. Okay, so, yeah, all of them. What he would say, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's kind of on the front line in between Dish and their customers. Yeah. And I'm certain he has very little to no information. You know, the, but he, he's staring down the barrel of pitchforks and torches. Meanwhile, the <laughs> you know the chief security officer, the chief marketing officer, and those people are like circling the wagons, not wanting yeah. any information to get out. So th- this is what we see in a lot of these large corporations that get hit is they just don't have a good mechanism in place for handling the communication. Well, I wonder if they're having to be GDPR compliant in any way, shape, or form. And... You know, because then they only have a certain amount of time before they have to re- report. You know, 
interest, I, right? I don't know. Well, yes, but yeah. I don't know if Dish does service in Europe. In Europe at all? Because uh, mm. you know the satellites are very positional. That's true. And I know at one point they just had two satellites for North America. Do they not have satellites in Europe? I'm, I'm sure they do, but does Dish Network offer service right. over there, or is it somebody else? Okay, yeah. I mean, so the digital huge... rights that Dish has are only for the U.S. They don't have any okay. rights outside the U.S. So, so, so they don't care about GDPR. Yeah, did <laughs> <laughs> <Eat> it, Europe. <laughs> um, I think the odds of customer data not being compromised here are extremely so low. Yeah. Uh, hi, what? It, it, very likely. How yes. about that? Very I don't likely, know how odds yes. work. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to pwned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, be, because of all the systems that it affected, I think we, we can just pretty much count on customer yeah. data being leaked on this one. Um, but pretty pretty bad. A lot of dish users getting on Twitter and sharing like how they're being affected, and I think something's going on. So I'd be curious to know if there's anybody listening or watching that like was affected by it or saw in real time like what's going on. So I'd be well, I'd be curious to hear. And like, then the know. question starts to become okay. So it's bad. You guys got <laughs> ransomware. What data did they have access to? Did they have access to just usernames and addresses? Okay, that's bad. Or did they have unencrypted? Passwords, yeah, you know, or even like poorly encrypted passwords. Yeah, maybe they thought, you know, we live in this lovely little walled garden, and mm. you know, we're just network. Who comes after us? You know, um, <laughs> no one's immune. Yeah. When I was selecting articles, uh, there was one about a a gun auction website that mm. I didn't pick for this week, but I'm going to mention it anyway uh, <laughs> because extra article. <laughs> the uh, the their their website got compromised. Attackers yeah. got in there and they got access to everything. Uh, and they were storing passwords unencrypted in their database. Mm. So they got all of the user accounts <laughs> and the password. Yeah, because it's avoidable. It's so avo- Why do yeah. they do it again? Usually lack lack of knowledge. Okay. Just, you know, yeah. th- somebody cobbled together that website. but And it became popular. And then It was an online auction site that had been running for over a decade. So mm. at some point, somebody with some expertise should have looked at that and said, shouldn't we at least store hashes instead? Uh, but nope, yeah. plain text passwords in the database. I feel like that's, uh, I'm still learning a lot. And that was, I feel like one of the first things we went over was like, you don't store information like that unencrypted. It just doesn't, it's like, a, it seems like a no brainer. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> you'd think, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you? When we have things like best practices, yeah, you know, you could teach people about best practices, but whether or not they follow them is a different yeah. story. And that's why we have to have GDPR. To, we, we wouldn't need regulations if people would just follow best practices. <laughs> But they don't. What's no. that thing you say? A lock keeps an honest man honest or something? A lock keeps an honest man honest. Yeah. That's right. What? A lock. A lock. Yeah. Keeps, keeps an, an honest, honest man. man. Right? So an honest man is not going to try to bypass the lock. He's going to see the lock oh, and go, got I it. guess I'm not supposed to get in there. But a dishonest right. man. We'll go, F that ju- that noise. I'm going over this. I got my bolt cutters. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my little kid of sparrows? I've been... I've been watching the lock picking lawyer yeah. for two weeks now. I'm <laughs> ready to go. It's inspired me. <laughs> yeah, that, so I really enjoy watching the yeah, lock picking lawyer. But YouTube. it is so like you have to understand that that guy is so much more talented than you ever will yes. be. <laughs> you cannot do the things he does ever. I love when people send him like challenge locks. Like we had to cut this off. And I told the locksmith that you could probably get it undone. And he said, no effing way. Now I bet you a hundred dollars he can't do it. So here's the hundred bucks if you can if you get to keep it if if you can unlock this thing in this amount of time. 
And he's like, well, let's see here. I've seen this. Oh, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're the, in. <laughs> the lockpicking lawyer, the you lock said? Picking lawyer. Oh, you don't know these? I'll add it to the list oh, no, of no, media no. that I Wait, need to consume. I, I feel like she doesn't know a whole lot of anything <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like amazing pop culture. <laughs> well, so lockpicking lawyer, it's a rabbit hole you'll get into because oh, the, the videos are like three to five minutes long. They're yeah. short. Uh, but and there's four hours goes of by. Because- <laughs> And he, he talks in this very calm voice, yeah. and and you never see his face. I, I've, no, I've never seen. I, his face. I think I've seen his face before. And uh, and he just says, uh, he always says the same thing at the beginning yeah. and the end. Uh, but then he just calmly explains, like, oh, this is such and such lock, and let's see what we can do. And oh, got a got a a set on one, yeah. a good good click there, yeah. and oh, maybe a false gate on yeah, two, you got and, a false set. And and he just kind of goes through, and then. Comes undone and yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Using yo, I feel like they're using spool pins here. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I'll add it to the list of media that I need to consume. Yeah, it's, it's it, ever growing. It's a rabbit hole. You'll yeah. watch that. One we'll for we'll a while. get you a set like of uh, lock picks and a and a clear lock so you can. <laughs> I'll just stop going outside. <laughs> yeah. and just That's focus it. on yeah. this. What happened, to, uh, what happened to Sophia? <laughs> the precious. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> okay, there, Gollum. <laughs> Well, hopefully Dish can figure out what's what's going on with their issues. Their dishes, if you will. Uh, but speaking of dishes, justice <laughs> is served across the pond. I spent a lot of time working on that. Dishes, yeah, yeah. justice is served. Um, if we take a look across the pond, we are going to take a look at who ended up behind bars this week. So this article comes to us from Naked Security. Doppelpaymer ransomware suspects were arrested in Germany and the Ukraine. So... I, did, I didn't know a ton about this this ransomware gang specifically. I didn't realize that it's there's a reason it's doppelpamer. It's that they don't just encrypt your data. They then are like, well, even if you can, even if you have backups, like we're going to go ahead and share your data with the world. And so you better just pay us the money if you don't want us to do that. And that is a sucky thing to do. <laughs> so, um, but but it looks like they were targeted by joint operation. It was German law enforcement, Ukraine law enforcement, U.S. law enforcement, and they they got somebody. But they're not really giving a lot of information as to like who specifically. Yeah, the uh, the gang behind the Doppelpaymer ransomware. The Gucci uh, gang. They, well, they, they actually <laughs> they, they changed their name, and so like Doppelpaymer is the name of the ransomware, but the gang behind it actually goes by Grief, and and so that's probably one you've heard of, maybe not. You've definitely Grief? heard of the Gucci gang. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so I have this weird ability to break Sophia from time to time, and I totally broke her right there. Continue, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, with a lot of this ransomware we hear about, there's this nefarious group behind it, and we never know who they are and so on. Um, there's still a really good chance that we don't know who these are. So they, they arrested one German national who played a apparently prominent role in the development and distribution of this ransomware. Uh, you know, it's a it's a powerful tool. There's there's two ways these are kind of deployed. So the gang themselves will deploy this ransomware to be able to collect money back, but they'll also resell it to other people through like an affiliate program. So you can, you know, rebrand the the ransomware and use it yourself. Uh, as the authorities began gaining access to accounts and digging deeper into the infrastructure that powered it, they found where they had received just from the U.S. over $40 million in ransomware over the course of just 
three years. So they so, literally could become the Gucci gang at that point. I, hey, I mean, when, <laughs> when they say crime doesn't pay, yeah, they yeah, are lying. Yeah, yeah, they are just fat out uh, wrong. Yeah, yeah, because 40 million bucks <laughs> seems like a lot of money to me. That is, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't got 40 million dollars. I mean, even in euros, that's a I lot of start money. this double extortion thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the only problem is the jail term at the end, oh, right? Yeah, but like yeah. the, the How rest much time of it, do you get for this? Because 40 million bucks, I might be able to put up with some jail it. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, it, is that enough money to start right. making you do the math on that? Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I remember reading or I watched a, um, uh, like a crime show or whatever about this guy who broke into a diamond dealer okay. in the diamond district in like Amsterdam or something like that because in that country, theft was theft. Whether you stole bubble gum or diamonds, you got five years and you did your time and that was it. So he stole the diamonds, he hid them, and uh. turned himself in <laughs> and did five years and got out and grabbed his diamonds. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do wow. my time. Yeah. 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 He was like, that's what's up. So, right. like, maybe the Gucci gang here is like, I think, yeah, that's what's up. I think we now know Daniel's plan B, right? Like, if social media doesn't work out, he's yeah. one-way ticket to Amsterdam. <laughs> that's right. It's like, <laughs> so, where do you keep your dimes? <laughs> Google says 40 million euros is about 42 million U.S. dollars right now, a little more yeah. than that. So, yeah, might might be worth it for you. I don't know. Maybe. Now, this is just one person that they have not named, and so this is allegedly at this point, it could be that this guy was just an affiliate, in which case they're nowhere closer to taking down infrastructure. And they even go on to mention that, like, there are still doppelpamer servers that are up and running. They have not taken over the uh, CNC, 2C? What C2. C2. Yeah. I'll get it right one CNC of is good. The CNC, yeah. they, they have not taken down the CNC Music Factory, but they are <laughs> after them. They've got the power. Yeah. Uh, We're going to do a crossover mashup with <laughs> Gucci Gang. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, this one's gone off the rails, hasn't yeah, it? Really, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, but they do have other suspects that are in Germany and, and Ukraine. Yeah. I, I am surprised to keep seeing Ukraine pop up on yeah, like this because it seems like they'd be a little preoccupied. Listen, they got to fund that war. <laughs> yeah, one way or another. Um, it's it's patriotic hacking, right? <laughs> yeah. I suppose so. Didn't we have a story about like some, some Ukrainian soldiers that Those were like, Russians. they were falling victim to like a honeypot attack where it was like a dating app or something? Oh, we yeah. talked about yeah. it like a while ago. Yeah, yeah, so happened. they really just, yeah. they, they just cannot win. They're no. just, yeah. they're getting hit left and right. We'll get you. Yeah. We, we've talked about that before. Um, you mentioned like how they can get one guy and it, it doesn't really do much because the infrastructure is still there. There's probably still other gang members. So yeah. just I, that to me is interesting. It's not a good thing, but it's interesting that like it's so tough to eliminate that kind of a threat, just like a just it, like an old world gang. Like it's it's exactly like that. If you watch the old mafia movies mm-hmm. where you've got the 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 head of the family, but there's still like a whole family there. Yeah. You, know, you you can't just yeah. even if you take yeah. out the head, there's still he, he can go to prison or anything, yeah. and it's like yeah, well, we got a power structure in place. Even from in prison, yeah. sometimes that's they right. Work yeah, like, kind of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, the FTX guy, what's it, Sam? Sam Bankman Freed. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Where <laughs> this is not great tech news here or anything that we care about, <laughs> but uh, I guess they, they found where he kept like doing stuff from his phone because he's on like a, a bail program. No, yeah. he's out on bail. Oh, he's out on bail. And, uh, and so now the, the, the judge basically made an order where he can only use flip phones. So <laughs> he's on like a Nokia flip phone and all he has is the so. uh, ball. Yeah, breakaway yeah. game. I sentence you to use a jitterbug <laughs> for, for the remainder. Breakout. That's a breakout. breakout. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say ball breaker, but that's not the name of the game. <laughs> not his game, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. Um, I should have gone with that Screlly guy. That guy, um, Pharma Bro. Do you remember him? Oh, so uh, he was the, uh, He was the <laughs> one where he he bought the uh, company that made a diabetes medicine or an oh. Age, oh, it was an AIDS treatment medicine. Gotcha. And then jacked it up forty times the price. Yeah. And so he, he ended up going to jail. Oh, and while he was in jail, he was still running the company from like illegal flip phones they were sending him. So again, uh, crime apparently does apparently pay. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. These people make money somehow. If you want to do it bad enough, you will find a way to do it. Yeah. Think of, yeah. Exactly. Well, that was that was an eventful. <laughs> <laughs> we covered how many topics in that one article? Oh, um, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, did I did I cut you off? Did you have no, no, no? Yeah. I didn't know if there was another criminal that we wanted. Oh, there's, there's plenty. <laughs> do, a, do a deep dive <laughs> into. Uh, real quick, I wanted to mention that Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you are listening from the Technado website, look for that sponsored by button. You can click on that; it'll take you to their website. So if you do want to support the podcast, you can check out those courses, and you can use the code Technado thirty to get a discount on your IT Pro membership. And if you can't get enough. You can also check out ACI Learning's webinars. They've got uh, live on social events. We've actually got one coming up. I think the day that this episode's released, Daniel will be participating in one of ACI Learning's live on social events. Is that right? His name is Mr. Ben Fink. Yes. He will be answering questions. So, What are you guys talking about? Supply chain attacks? So, yeah, he wrote an article about supply chain attacks. That's where we're going to kind of start the show, but then we're going to move right into those questions. Oh, okay. Awesome. So you can join join, uh, Dan and Ben Fing from On Defend if you want to hear more about that. Uh, And then we've also got an All Things Cybersecurity webinar that ACI Learning is going to be doing, I think, in two weeks or no, next week. That's next week. Oh, my gosh. It's next week. It came up fast. (laughs) Wow. Time flies. Um, So that's going to be with Mike Saunders of Red Siege. So that'll be fun. Uh, And, of course, if you want to watch any of the old webinars, those are going to be at itpro.tv slash webinars. They also live on YouTube. So you can check them out they they will be there probably forever i don't know i don't know what the timeline is if there's like a digital deletion law they have to follow like so i saw something about youtube where you can actually like upload random files into youtube as videos and it'll just show you like snow okay interesting it's unlimited you can uh, you can upload all your data and now they're like oh no we should probably do something about that because you could basically use YouTube is cold storage huh. for all huh. your stuff. So, does that count as steganography or no? Because you're not trying to like hide anything. It's not it's just to, free storage for you. It's basically. just like mm. when you upload a file that's not a video, it just shows snow. Hmm. But huh. you can still retrieve you it. You can still intact. download the file. Yeah, I'd love to be the guy that discovered yeah. that. They accidentally upload like a, a PNG or something. They're like, yeah. oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Well. Th- Fun fact in the middle of my marketing spiel here. All the people that all the people that <laughs> left the tech data early is oh it's the marketing now. Go ahead and click they on lose out on, out on that. Yeah. We should start doing that every week. Get yeah. some little bonus content in there. That's it. Uh, and then it is of course March, so it is Women's History Month. We're going to be uploading or ACI Learning will be uploading a new interview every Wednesday in March with a woman that's working in audit, cybersecurity, or IT. We had one last week with Jack Scott. This week is going to be with Confidence Stavely. She's one of the biggest uh, cybersecurity figures in Africa. So you can check that out. That'll be out. On, it, it will have come out yesterday, I think. So check that out if you get a chance. And of course, I'm sure you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there was a promo at the beginning of the episode, but Technado 300 is coming up. So that's exciting. If you do want to be part of the episode, you can submit a video at technado.com. Those are due by March 20th. I think I said the 21st last week. They are due by the 20th. So get those in by the 20th. We are going to be live on Tuesday, March 21st for that episode of Technado, the 300th episode. So you don't want to miss that. We're excited to have you join us. Did I miss anything? Yeah. That was a lot. I, I feel attention. like the yeah. roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> or um, who's the the pig that talks fast? Porky, Porky pig? pig. Yeah, mm. I feel like that. He talks fast. Yeah, he, he, he stutters a lot. Yeah, he's stuttering, stuttering so he's, yeah. he's trying to always get his words out. Really, you're fast. more like the micro machine man. Yeah, 
Oh, okay. I've I've heard. Sure, yeah. I think I, think I googled the commercial yeah. that I think I you mentioned it. Yeah, time, that and then the simple little yellow different new print. That's yeah. the, those are the two that you indoctrinated me with. So now I know. I have. I don't think board. I know that one. The cool. simple yellow different new print. Oh, new print. Yeah. yeah. Medicine, okay. Yeah. yeah. They know. I yeah. don't. But that's why I'm here is to learn. So He's got a headache this big. <laughs> Screaming for Excedrin. <laughs> yeah. I just know. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, shoot. Uh, the apply to forehead one, right? It's a oh, head on, head on, head on, yeah. apply to forehead. That's yeah. I've lost control. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all of that said, I want to thank Don and Dan for breaking down the latest in tech news for us. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Technado. We'll see you next week.